Brothers and sisters, we have two scripture readings today uh, that will orient us as we dig into God's word. The first comes uh, from Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel, that is, uh, chapter 12. 2 Samuel, chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 1 as we together uh, hear the word of the Lord as recorded in this encounter between Nathan and David. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a, tra- now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ulam that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against this man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb, uh, that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then, da- then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. And now we'll turn, brothers and sisters, to First uh, John, not the Gospel of John, the letter, First John, uh, and we're going to read in chapter 1, verse 5 and following, as we together continue to receive God's word this morning. Hear now this message. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me now for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, creator and sustainer, perfecter, we come before you thankful uh, for the gift of freedom that we have in you and for, uh, for the, the, the lesson, the wisdom of your word that 
teaches us how we are to live in that freedom. Lord, we ask now that you would meet with us, that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our eyes that we come to know and understand your word. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. And we ask, oh God, that in some miraculous means or measure, you would open our hands. That we would offer grace, your grace, to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember uh, my wife and I having our first date like it was yesterday. Uh, It was January uh, of the year 2000, and uh, we were sophomores uh, at Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana. I was a romantic, so I uh, set up this first date and planned it in great detail. I decided that we needed to go see a romantic comedy of epic proportions for our first date, so I took her to see Next Friday. <laughs> Probably not the, the most romantic choice I could have made. Well, we drove from Shreveport over to Bossier City uh, and uh, watched Next Friday, and uh, I guess that the, the insanity of this guy bringing her to, to next Friday on the first date was enough to seal the deal. But I remember the, the whole of the date. I remember that, that we went and watched next Friday, and then we went to Marble Slab and, uh, and got all the mix-in toppings, you know, and, uh, and, and sat on the front porch of the Marble Slab uh, in Shreveport and, and ate the, uh, the deliciousness that is Marble Slab. Then we went from there, we went to a, a coffee shop. Uh, some of our friends had put together a band, and they were playing in a coffee shop. So uh, when we got there, uh, all of our college uh, uh, friends were there, and all of the tables were full, so the two of us, we sat on the stairs uh, at, at watching our friends play in one of their very first gigs uh, there uh, at Centenary. But none of that really kind of uh, weighs in comparison to the depth of, 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 of the most sustaining memory of that first date. We then uh, went from the coffee house and went back uh, on campus and we went uh, to the dorm and we sat in the lounge. You know, the public lounge that folks can, can kind of walk in and out of, walk all around. We sat there and we just talked. And I've never had a conversation like that before in my life. It was, it was a conversation that was, was raw and honest and real. And, and, and uh, I, I'll admit, we talked all night. The sun came up and I decided I needed to leave and go get some sleep. <laughs> But during the conversation, we talked, about, uh, we talked about our families. We talked about what it was like for her growing up in Duncanville, what it was like me growing up as a preacher's kid moving around. We talked about my parents' divorce. We talked about how I almost uh, left Centenary College my freshman year at Christmas break because I was so miserable. We talked about what it meant to be lonely and what it meant to long, relation, long for uh, deep relationships. We were honest and vulnerable and real, and all the varnish was stripped away, and in that evening, running all the way through the night, I could see that there was something different forming there. And from the very beginning, from the very first night, I knew that, 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 that this relationship was going to be different because of the honesty we had with one another and the way in which we could just be real. It's powerful when you can be real with someone, right? 
when you could just put it all out there in the light and there in, 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 the, in, the, in the real state of being, you're still welcomed, you're still accepted, you're still embraced. And, and that's what we established from the very beginning in our relationship. And I believe it's what sustains us in marriage still yet today. And I see that gift in, in Lauren, uh, even uh, in her relationship with the kids, to see how Addie and Aiden and Sam uh, entrust her with, with their deepest secrets, are willing to tell her their hearts, are willing to pour uh, themselves out to her because she's willing to pour wisdom and, and love and compassion back into them. And so their relationships are tender and beautiful, and it's rooted in this honesty of relationship. And so, Laura, happy Mother's Day to you. See, I get the bully pulpit of the preacher's microphone, and I get to do that. All the other dudes have, like, so much work to do to catch up. So remember that uh, as uh, I go through the day. Happy Mother's Day. You're a great mom. Uh, And I want to kind of lean back in there, though. How important is it for us to be honest with others? For us to have those relationships that, that lead us into that space the, the, the most Im- impactful groups I've ever been a part of were rooted in honesty. It's something I appreciate about our staff team here at Covenant. When we gather together, we gather in prayer for one another. We break out into small groups, and week after week, we share how we could be supporting and praying for one another. We ask, how is it with your soul? And we try to dig deeper into how we are uh, in community with one another. And, and as the years have gone on, I... I I know how much I could trust them and how much I'm loved by them and how much uh, I care for them. And I hope that they have the same uh, experience with me because there's honesty there. I was a part of a group uh, uh, maybe six, seven years ago called Advancing Pastoral Leadership. And, and we had a cohort that, that gathered together uh, four times a year for a week. And then uh, we did that for two years. And then for three more years, we gathered together for a week twice a year. And uh, we traveled together and we dug deeply together. And it's interesting how, uh, how, how quickly we were able to go deep. And it started with these personal profile deals, right? And it's one thing for you to receive a personal profile assessment and you to kind of hoard that and like cover up and like see all the things you learn about yourself. But it's another, whenever, it's another thing altogether whenever they put that information like up on the board and, and like, and like you, you are charged with the task of walking over and like trying to name who it is that, uh, that every sheet of paper represents. Now, that's what we did and, and, and that wasn't just the, the, the end of it, it was just the beginning. Uh, We got to know one another on that level. Then uh, the evenings we shared together, talk and shop and sharing hearts and hearing about families, that was able to take us one layer deeper. One thing that I'll never forget is the deep impact of these things that we had uh, where where we would uh, have uh, case clinics where uh, one of us would sit in the chair of of representing the case and then we would have uh, uh, peers help to inform and ask questions and and lead us uh, well. And and that exercise wasn't just about the wisdom we received from others, but I I found uh, this deep power in me being able to, to represent to my peers the struggles of ministry that I was experiencing. And to, and to be real about not having it all figured out, not having it all together, and to be honest that this is the space that I need others in. That bound us together, and it was an exercise that, of honesty and vulnerability uh, with, with, with people that, 
you know, at the beginning of this time, some I didn't even know, some I had some relationship with, and, and as, we, as we grew, we grew in a fellowship, a friendship that was centered on being the body of Christ in Jesus' name. It requires light to do that. John talks about it in this way. He talks about light and darkness. It's one of his favorite images uh, to, to go to. He talks about the power of light and darkness. And oftentimes when we hear of this metaphor, we, we associate it appropriately as it is sometimes used as talking about light and darkness when it comes to righteousness, light, and sinfulness, darkness. And, and, and uh, Jesus is light, and if you walk with Jesus, you walk in light. If you don't walk with Jesus, you walk in darkness. And so this light and darkness can take that image. But, but in 1 John, in this passage we read, he digs in uh, a little bit in verse 6 and lays it out for us like this. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We lie and do not live out the truth. And that seems to frame this, this, this image of light and darkness, not just as righteousness and sin, but also as lie or truth. It orients it in a new way for us. And so I want you to imagine that, that you're in, an, in a completely pitch black room. And all there is is one single spotlight. Maybe you have to put yourself in a theater of sorts and able to grasp this. Maybe, maybe you've seen something akin to this in, in, in an in a opera or a play that you've been to where there is a dark room and you can't see your hand in front of your face, but yet there is a single spotlight coming down, darkness all around. And do you remember how shocking it is? Uh, that, 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 that you didn't even see someone approaching the light because of how they remained in darkness. But as they just took that one step out into the light, they could be seen entirely. Can you imagine what it's like to be that person? That person that rests in darkness and, and is able to be hidden and in some ways can even find comfort in that because you're not sure how far you're ready yet to go. But whenever that spotlight is just before you and all it takes is to put that foot in, you could see your foot exposed and your body's not yet exposed. And as you walk in, the entirety of yourself is there on display for all to see. Brothers and sisters, I think it's like that when we move from lie to truth. When we move from lie to truth, we move from lie that we're alone, that we're isolated, that we're the only ones that are broken, that we're the only ones that are sinful, we're the only ones in need. And so this lie that we build up is indeed darkness. And so we move from this shame that clouds us in that lie and keeps us in that lie into a space of vulnerability and authenticity that then has us take a bold step into truth, absolutely revealing ourselves for who we are and whose we are in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would step in to the light of love and grace. You see, we move from darkness and lie to truth that is light. 
The Gospel of John chapter 8 describes it this way. He talks about uh, Jesus is the light, and when you walk in the light, there is no darkness. But if you walk in the darkness, you do not walk with him. It's this description of what it means to journey. It's as though this spotlight of, of, of light, of truth, of Jesus is on us wherever we go, following us everywhere in the world, in our homes, in our relationships, in our workplaces. Where is it that you don't feel honest, where you are not authentic, where you aren't real? Shine the light of Christ there so that that spotlight doesn't dim or doesn't fade. So that everywhere you go, every relationship you have is built on that honesty. We have an example of that in 2 Samuel. A beautiful example of best friends. Brothers in spirit. Nathan and David, they've been on a a tremendous journey of love and care with one another. And David has risen uh, to extraordinary heights. He's now king and not just king of one nation, but king of two. He's united the nations, established a place of worship at the center of those two nations. and, and, And now has the house of the Lord ready to be built, although it's going to be for his son to do. And yet, here, David king falls he falls to temptation and sin by taking another man's wife he tries to cover up that sin by killing her husband and there in that seat of judgment we have nathan wondering how is it that i'm going to bring this word of truth to my friend because quite honestly we don't just need relationships where we're honest with other we need relationships where people can be honest with us now it takes some some work to get to that level of relationship i want to think about who you to think about who those people are in your life that you could receive that word of truth from but i i want you to hear what that looked like for nathan and david because nathan nathan could have been harsh because what david did it warranted some harshness He could have really, really left David beaten and bruised, but instead he finds a gentle way to enter into it so that it's not just about him beating David into a state of being awake, but now he is able to let David become awakened to his own need. So he tells them this story. He tells them the story of these two people, one that has everything and one that has very little, and the one that has everything takes from the one that has very little, and, and, and in so doing strips away uh, his heart and what he so deeply loves. And, and so whenever David hears this story, he hears the, the detail of what it would look like for someone to take so, so brutally from someone else. David says, uh, that man needs to be punished. That man deserves death. That man needs to pay back four times what the value is. And so David has this spirit rise up within him, needing to confront the person that has been depicted. And once that truth is there, exposed from Nathan to David, Nathan then reveals, in a gentle way, I believe you're that man. That exclamation point that you put on the end of that statement doesn't mean that it's harsh or ugly or cruel, but it means that it's real and honest and spoken in love. You are 
that man. You think that, 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 that you have it all together. You think that you could hide your sin and brokenness from the world and from me. But, but you, can't, you, you, you can't hide it from God either. I'm going to be honest with you, Nathan says. And let you know that you have fallen short of the glory of God. That your sin is evident to me and to others. And I'm going to be honest with you here and invite you to repent and to have a change of heart. We need people in our lives that will be honest with us as well. Paul writes about this, this means through which, uh, through which Nathan and David interact with one another in Ephesians. He writes about it, uh, and I think it's a word of encouragement for us on how we are to act in uh, holy relationships. He writes it this way. Instead, brothers and sisters, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. Him who is the head, that is Christ. If we want to, to become, to, to grow into the body of Christ, we need to speak the truth in love to one another. We're not speaking the truth in harshness or the truth in, in reprimand, but, but rather we are speaking the truth in love because of our love and concern for our brothers and sisters, because of our desire not just to grow up in ourselves, but to grow up in the body, one with another. In that space, we mature as the body of Christ. What a powerful and profound gift we're given when we're able to be honest with one another. You see, brothers and sisters, you have been set free. You've been set free from sin. You have been set free from shame. And in that freedom, we are no longer bound to deceiving others around us, but we can walk in the light and walk honesty, honestly with others. And when we do, it will, it will beget honesty back for us. And together, that honest form of relationship where the varnish is stripped away and we're able to be raw and authentically ourselves broken and in need of grace redeemed by our lord when we walk in that way we walk in freedom we are not set free so that we can continue to walk bound by lies but you have been set free so that you can walk in the truth with others we need that we yearn for that. So I want you to think about all of those in your life that you have those kind of relationships with. I want you to think about uh, those, uh, those brothers and sisters, those mothers and fathers. I want you to think about those folks, uh, your friends, those that are dear to you, that you trust to be honest with you and that you are honest with. And I want you to think about how you can multiply the number of those relationships tenfold. Come on, Jason. Here we go. Tenfold. I don't want you to just add one to the number. I don't want you to just double the number. I want you to multiply it by ten. Because when you walk in the light of Christ, the truth of his grace, you will uh, just, just desire it more and more. 
And the more you step into it, the more you desire it, and the more you desire it, the more you step into it, and you will experience freedom because truth and the truth we have in Jesus, there is freedom. So brothers and sisters, let us be the body of Christ together, one with another, free to walk in the truth, the light of Christ. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, I thank you for those honest relationships and those moments of tender honesty that we experience with each other. We ask, God, that you would uh, multiply those relationships in our lives. We yearn for it. We, we yearn to, to carry that freedom forward out into more and more relationships, season by season, day by day. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the example that Nathan was with David and the way that David then received that. Lord, let that be a testimony to how we are to live in relationship with one another. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for the women in our lives that have blessed us so richly. Those that honor us with honesty and wisdom and truth. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in our relationships. We thank you for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.